0: Is If you're leading a large church, just as an example, one of the things you have to be really aware of is that people want to feel connected and known. So they want to feel like they get to sit at your dinner table. The mindset is you have to make it human. You have to make it personal. You have to give people more access probably than you think they should have. You, you have to always be thinking like, how are we creating these small little circles that allow people to do life together?
1: Welcome to the special Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio featuring Pastor Daniel Fusco. Each week, we share a conversation between Daniel and a special guest. People want to feel like they matter, especially in a large group setting. Being a small fish in a big pond is never easy. Pastor Daniel's guest today, Brad Lominick, encourages leaders to create space for individuals to feel heard and seen, especially in a church setting. Small groups encourage the idea of doing life in community. Now, here's Pastor Daniel and Brad Lominick with the Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus is real.
2: So how can people, that you have a local church, how can they kind of apply what you're talking about at street level if they're like, man, I don't even know really where to begin this journey?
0: Yeah. Well, let's think about the, um, just curiosity in general. So, I mean the practical side of this is that an intentional curiosity says that everywhere you go is a classroom. And I just love the idea that the leader who is who is humble and hungry, they walk around with sort of a literal and and perhaps you know figure, figuratively and literally they walk around with a moleskin. And they're just taking notes. Everybody's a classroom. Everywhere they go it's an opportunity for them to learn. And Just that posture of life that says I'm going to be willing to um, to look at life, and instead of me trying to be the expert, I'm going to think that everybody else is the expert, and I'm the student. And I've watched really, I've watched the leaders in my life who I admire the most, the ones who are who are the you know heroes, and everybody would know their names, and they always walk into every room like they don't belong. Because that's their posture. Like they walk in thinking, I've got something to learn. You know, I may be the, the world's greatest leadership expert, or I may be the world's leading theologian. Uh, but they always walk in and they're looking around going, well, somebody here can add value to me. So I think it's just a posture when it comes to that. Um, and this is, this again, this is true for if you want to connect with people, if you want to be really good at connecting with people, just ask them a good question. I mean, it's it's one of the hacks of life. It really is. Don't worry about giving the right answer. Don't worry about being the expert. If you're really interested, you become interesting automatically. And, you know, the idea that, how do I get the attention of even somebody who might be a sage or somebody larger than life, you know, that, um, well, ask them a good question. You know, you honor people when, when you ask a good question. So that, I mean, those those are pretty elementary things but i think they're really helpful if you're if you're starting out on your journey of just saying you know how do i shift some of the things in my life to be much more of a student and you know we can talk more about the about the connecting piece specifically and practically but i think it's got to start there
2: well and there's no doubt like having read your books i realized that the humble and hungry are two of your three of the h3 leader framework. So you want to, you want to talk a little bit about the third piece because you we're, you're kind of tipping your hat to it, but, and if you guys have never read, you know, H3 leadership by Brad Lominick, it is a great book. I remember when I got it, it was just like, you know, plowed through it. So, you know, was really blessed by it. So it's humble, hungry. And then the third H is of course the
0: hustle piece, right? Hustle. So talk
2: a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. And, and this is where I, I like, I like it because it creates a little bit of tension for people. Cause some people love the word hustle. Some people are like, yeah, man, I I'm, I'm the hardest worker on the team. You know, I stay up late. I get up early and, and that, you know, okay, great. But it's not just narrowly. It's not just that idea. It's not, you know, because the hustler who follows Jesus, it's generosity. Like hustle is about others. If your hustle mindset is adding value to other people, then that's proper hustle. Um, If your hustle is as much about rest as it is about hard work, then that's proper hustle. So that's where people are surprised when they read all the different habits that, that I feel like are part of the hustle framework. Uh, because there is hard work. There is a standard of excellence. But there also is margin. There's also Sabbath. And so it's a rhythm. When, you, when you're a hustler type of, of leader, there's a rhythm to your life that says, I w- I'm willing to work hard when needed. But I'm also, I'm, I also know that, you know, my hard work flows out of my, my Sabbath. It flows out of proper rest. It flows out of proper rhythm of margin and of generosity. Hustlers are collaborators. Like they make other people the center of the story. They, they make other people the hero. They're also unifiers, you know, like at the end of the day, a hustler is somebody who brings a lot of different people to the table and allows for something better to happen because of the collective power of the group. And, the, and this is where, again, cultural hustle is all about, I'm going to get mine. It's a scarcity mindset. It's you lose, I win, or I win and you lose. And that's not what we're talking about. You know, We're talking about you win, I win. It's generosity. It's, a, it's abundance mindset.
2: Well, and I'm so grateful we're talking about it. I I wanted us to get here because I realized that, you know, in some ways the word hustle in our day and age has kind of gotten a little bit marginalized in the the day and age of like the gospel of self-care where everyone's like, oh man, the hustle's bad. But, but you like, as I, I, because I read H3 Leadership, I realized I'm like, no, you're talking about hustle, like almost like a leopard where a leopard can go from being completely still at ease, calm, can engage in an instant get it done and then go back and be completely ready to do that. And so when I think of someone who hustles, cause I come out of that, you know, being born and raised in, in the Northeast, I come out of that hustle where like you just grind forever. Like you right. never stop. Right. You know what right. I mean? I, I was talking with my kids about that. I mean, when I was growing up, we just did thing to thing to thing. Then we never stopped that. I'd, cr- I'd like fall asleep. I'd crawl into bed. My head hits the pillow. I'll be out, you know? And we were talking about how like you know, I was raised that way and it was a good thing to learn, but I had a the way I, I dealt with work was a little bit messed up. I didn't know how to rest. I always felt like I was like cheating if I like, you know, if I took some t- like time off, I'd feel guilty for taking time off. And I realized that that was like a a brokenness in the way I viewed hustle. And your book actually helped because it's like, no listen in order to really hustle, right. Like when you think of like an, an athlete who, who hustles, right. It's like, they're willing to do the extra things that need to be done in order to win, but it doesn't mean that you're always like that. And and you're exactly. saying really that hustle is really, it, 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 it's a mindset that, but it's also born out of a place of rest. It's not, it's not based on scarcity, but it's like, Hey, I can
0: rest. I can trust the Lord. And when stuff needs to get done, I'll be there to show up and get it done. Right. Exactly. And this is why a hustler on your team, you know, the mindset of a hustler is so important is because what we don't want is we don't want somebody who is so redlined in their life. You know, think of your engine, your car engine. And if you redline your engine when you're taking off, okay, that's fine. But if you redline it like the, the entire trip for, you know, 30 hours straight, that engine's going to have some damage. And this is, what ha- this is what happens to leaders like who are a little bit more ambitious, we're type A. We allow ourselves to think that now um, the only way I can add value or that I'm seen as important or seen as somebody who is significant and needed on the team is that I have to prove that I can like stay up late every night and only get three hours of sleep and continue to crush it. And what we've seen is that doesn't work. Like it leads to a lot of things that, that create burnout and it creates toxicity. It creates like that. You're just a bad leader. Like nobody wants to be around you. And this is where for me, like I had a season back, you know, like 2013 when my hustle was sort of out of control and it wasn't being balanced with margin and rest and Sabbath. And all of a sudden it was like, I was becoming the dysfunctional leader. And I realized pretty quick that I can still get it all done. And people will follow me up the mountain because I'll get to the mountain. Like I will, I will, it's like the boxer who won't take themselves out of the ring until somebody knocks them out. And, but that's not good enough. Like as leaders, we, we can't allow that to look like, look like something that feels like success. And success is getting to the finish line. That's success is the race, right? I mean, this is biblical. The biblical mandate is to finish the race. Not to like just sprint in the first three or four years. So, um, the the long game is what we're talking about, like the the sixty year run. That is what we're what we're wanting to like win at, not necessarily the three year sprint.
2: So, and would you say that you learned this? And you talked about twenty thirteen, a time when you realized that man things were a little out of whack. Was that something that like having to hit those kind of skid? times in life. Was that one of the places where you're like, okay, I really need to make sure I get this thing dialed in because if I don't, if I keep redlining like this, I'm not going to be doing well in 10 years. I'm not going to be left standing in 10 years. Was that kind of the impetus for that for you?
0: Well, there was all kinds of factors for me. It was, it was being overweight. It was because I, I, I gave up the habit of proper exercise and I felt like the work was, you know, too important. Uh, the travel was too important. Like I, I didn't have time. I didn't have time for sideways energy stuff like getting on the treadmill or eating right. I gave up on relationships, Daniel. Like the the thing that had driven me was now starting to like create a sense of distraction for me, or what I thought was so. All these friendships and relationships, those were now like transactional. Again, Mm -hmm. because the weight, the weight and responsibility of leadership, of trying to build something, um, of being a Enneagram three of being a, a driver, you know, like I want to, I want to succeed. I want to produce the people on my team. They, they still followed me because I got stuff done, but they didn't want to be around me. They were like, okay, we'll you know, we'll still be part of what you're doing, but man, we four out of five days, we can't stand to be in the same office with you. And, you know, that's dysfunction it wasn't necessarily sin. I mean, I wasn't, you know, there weren't things sinful that were now like moral failures, but I know this, it was breadcrumbs that could lead to that for sure. Hmm. And that's when the warning signs started to go off for people around me. And fortunately the people around me were, they were good enough friends that they were like, listen, Lamanek, you're going to drive yourself into the ditch if you don't wake up. And it took like three or four of those really good face slaps figuratively to like pull me out of this funk. Um, and once I did, then, you know, it was like, well, let's work on this. Let's, let's, let's do the hard work of, and really the book, I mean, came out of like that, that season of, okay, I've got to redefine what it looks like to be healthy and to be a healthy leader. And these are the habits I got to have in place. Um, so, you know, the, I'm exhibit A of what can happen when you get dysfunctional as a leader. And it, you know, it almost drove me into the ditch. And we, you know, you and I both have friends that have dealt with a lot of burnout. They've dealt with a lot of moral failures. You know, even if it wasn't like moral failures, it was their staff doesn't even like to be around them or their kids can't stand them, you know, or their spouse is like, listen, I'm with you, but you're driving me crazy. Um, and that's just not good enough. It's not good enough to say, well, I know all these other areas, I'm getting an F, but in the, you know, in, in building my organization or my church or my company or whatever, I'm getting an A, that's still a cumulative F. It doesn't matter. Like, right. I mean, it, it's the bell curve of all the grades of your life. So don't think that just because you're crushing it in one area that you're crushing it in every area.
2: Well, and for everyone who's listening, I don't want anyone to miss that, that once again, we come back to the people in your world. When when people are giving you that strong fellowship, they're like, hey, you got to look at this. It's so easy to blow off somebody. But if you hear it a couple of times, you know, I always like to say that in the Bible, when you see the same thing repeated, it's because the Holy Spirit knows that we're thick headed and we probably didn't catch it the first time. But you right. need, But you need those people in your life that know you well enough to be able to speak into The areas of your life. Now, Brad, with the the last few minutes that we have together, I did want to talk about some of the stuff that you have been doing more recently. This kind of, you go from kind of leading catalyst, which was like one of the premier large events where people are, you know, you have tens of thousands of people gathering for a two or three day conference. And it's a who's who, it's the people, you know, it's the people that you're going to know about once they make their way into the catalyst stage. And, but you've been devoting a lot of energy now. And this was also beginning, you know, pre everyone on zoom all day long and and all this stuff, the smaller group curated kind of experiences. And, And in a lot of ways, you were one of the people who were at like kind of the forefront of a lot of where we're all living right now. Can you talk a little bit about that? What you're seeing uh, as by way of this is really positive. I really love this in the midst of some of the stuff
0: that you're doing right now. Sure. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll look at it from a conference side and I'm not saying big events are going away or big, large thousands of people gathering are going away. I think those are going to come back. I mean, we've been doing this for for thousands of years. We've been gathering people and listening to speakers or orators or it doesn't matter. Like that's not going to go away. But I think for the leader who is, is thinking differently or at least like thinking outside the box or innovative or maybe they're carrying more influence, you know, like, and it's not just like the best of the best, but it's also people want to, they, they want to be connected to people who are like-minded and also who, um, who share interest. And also allow them to have a dinner table conversation. Again, so think, would you rather go to, you know, something with a thousand people and you're sitting in a a seat listening to somebody who is communicating to you, and it may be great. Or would you rather sit at a dinner table with 10 other people and have a conversation about that same topic? and most people if they choose between those two they're going to choose probably the dinner table cuz it's more personal i can ask questions i you know i can interact with people i get to know friends and so that's that's what i'm i'm trying to like curate those kind of of conversations and gatherings with my influence so you know just because i'm doing that doesn't mean everybody needs to or everybody needs to start thinking well is this the end of anything that's big or large or Cause I'm not saying that, but for me, that's what I'm trying to do. And I, I think the practical thing with this is if you're leading a large church, just as an example, one of the things you have to be really aware of is that people want to feel connected and known. So they want to feel like they get to sit at your dinner table. The mindset is you have to make it human. You have to make it personal. You have to give people more access probably than you think they should have you. You have to always be thinking like, how are we creating these small little circles that allow people to do life together? You know, so that's probably the most practical side of what I'm seeing is just the power is in the smaller, more conversational setting at the end of the day. I think that's going to continue to to hold true. I love it. And, And one of the things that
2: we always like to say at Crossroads where I get the pleasure of being a pastor is that we want to have more people in community groups and small groups than we have coming to the church on Sunday. Because because we realize, like we always say, listen, like, like the, the large family gathering and across is a big family for, you know, and like, we love that, but we realize that growth happens in groups like where you're saying, where you're sitting around, you're sitting in a circle and now you're not just hearing something, but now you're saying, how do I apply this at street level where I live with people who are also, we're working it all out. And then you have people who are praying for you. You have people who are saying, hey, listen, I'm going to check in on you later in the week to see how that's going for you. Or, you know, I remember like when the first small group that I was ever a part of, you know, people knew what was going on in my life. People were speaking into that. People were checking in on me. Like they were like, Hey, how's that thing going? Because, and that was such a huge catalyst, uh, pun intended, yeah, tongue, you, like know, right, you know, like like right in the corner yeah. of my cheek there, you know what I mean? Um, it was such a catalyst for exponential growth for me.
0: Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, like anybody can do this. So part of your role as a leader, wherever you are, whether you're in a small community, large community, whether you're in a small church, large church, whether you work for a big company, a small company, um, you know, you're in the you're in the inner city or you're in a, you know, big metropolitan area or rural somewhere, you have the ability to curate people into into circles of folks that they want to be connected to. So, you know, think of the, again, the pastor in a town of 2000 people and you might have a hundred folks coming to your church. Great. But what about the ability for you to say, all right, there's a mayor here. There's probably a local hospital or some kind of local like clinic. There's other pastors, there's educators, there's a police department, there's a sports team. High school sports team. Um, there are lawyers. There's dentists. So to say, could you curate ten people in your community for a conversation around something that would be interesting? And partner with the mayor's office. Partner with the local city government. Partner with the police department. Um, partner with the local high school sports team, and say we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna have a meal. And we're going to get, you know, 10 or 12 folks together and talk about this issue. Like that's doable. So don't think that this is only for like, you know, me, because I have all these relationships with, with folks who um, are influencers. This is true at every level of where influence happens and the power again, when, when you're the curator, when you're the gatherer of those people, now, all of a sudden you have, you have influence with them. So again, if you're a pastor and you're trying to get the mayor to come to your church, to be part of your local expression or your house, go find ways to add value to the mayor and do that, you know, over and over and over again. And at some point they'll probably be like, hey, like you've never even asked me to come to your church. You know, you, you just did reverse, like reverse evangelism almost, or reverse outreach. But so many times we're like, oh no, we should come because we have these great programs at our church. And they're looking at you going, man, that's awesome. But really, I want you to add value to me first before really I, I'm ever going to be interested in anything you're doing. Um, so that's just a – I found that to be something, again, the best way for me to grow my influence with people is to figure out how I can add value to them in their in their circumstance or in their context.
2: Well, it sounds a whole lot like Jesus, right? Adding value to people around I us, think right? So.
0: I mean, I sure think so.
2: So Brad, as we close this out now, if people want to connect with you, they want to connect with what you're doing, they want to get your books, where can people find you online in all the different places?
0: BradLominick.com is probably the easiest or H3 Leadership. That one's easier to spell, H3Leadership.com. So either one of those go to there. I mean, I'm Brad Lominick on all the social outlets, but I'm a terrible follow on social media. (laughs) I don't really say or, or, or uh, post much anymore. I just listen a lot. So I am on social media, but I just don't post a lot of my own posts. You're intentionally curious listening to what everyone's saying, right? I'm trying to live that out, man. I'm trying to like be a listener and a learner.
2: Well, Brad, I sure do appreciate you and everyone listening. Thanks so much for joining me. Daniel Fusco on the Crazy Happy Podcast. Let's just keep sprinkling that happiness around. I love this idea of let's all curate people around tables, talking, learning from one another, adding value to one another, making sure that people are at the center. You know, start with who, start with who, you know, as Brad was talking about. And Brad, I can't wait for you to write that book, Start With Who. I'll how be I'll stoked going, for that. going on it, man. <laughs> well, God bless you, everyone. Take care. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Jesus is real. Do you have a role of leadership in your job, in your ministry? It's an honor to be in that place, but it comes with such responsibility. Pastor Daniel and Brad Lominick discussed today how to add value to other people's lives instead of bowl them over with your ideas and processes. Brad also encouraged you as a leader to take care of yourself, to spend time often resting in the Lord so that he can be the fuel you run on.
2: We'll have a preview of next week's episode in just a moment. Thanks for listening to the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco and author and journalist Billy Halliwell. Each week, you'll hear discussion on important topics that affect your life now. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and get notified each time we post a new edition of the show. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Now, here's Josh.
1: We hope you've enjoyed these special Friday edition messages with Pastor Daniel Fusco. These discussions with leaders, authors, and influential people are meant to encourage you in your own walk with the Lord. Each interview reveals new ways to be crazy happy in the life that God has blessed you with and how you can utilize it well for the kingdom and for the good of those around you. Well, that's all we have time for on this special Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Today's broadcast was produced from the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco. Be sure to subscribe to the Crazy Happy Podcast today and be sure to join us for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.